race fans, Puka's out trying to figure out how to get his cat hat with a curve in it. So he's not here. Probably going to take him a little while. Hopefully he's back next week. Actually, he's with the kids tonight uh, doing dad things. So, hey, kudos to him. But Ryan Aho, the Burt Lehman, bringing you episode 146 of the One to Go show. Hey, how, how was your weekend, Bert? Uh, the weekend was good. I went to uh, races Friday night, Saturday night, and I went to a Brewers game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Brewers lost, but I did get to see Aaron Judge hit two home runs to bring his total of 59. I tell you what, he's getting, he's getting her done, that's for sure. They're going to have to pay that guy a little bit, huh? Yeah, he turned down a huge contract prior to the season or at the beginning of the season, and uh, he bet on himself, and he's. it looks like he's going to come up big on that bet on himself. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. So episode 146 brought to you by our friends over in Watertown, South Dakota, Dirt Track Supply. I'll tell you what, great folks. They do so much for racing. Ron Anderson, Trevor Anderson, you know, whether they build the aero chassis that's you know, this guy here, Jeremy, you're killing me, dude. Like, he was running second, Bert, and he lost the handle um, coming out of turn four in a qualifying night that would have put him row two in the Wissota 100. Uh, tough break, but he had a fast car. That aero chassis was fast. So, with that said, they build a good car, but they, I mean, if you need parts, safety equipment, tires, I mean, whatever, just advice, whatever. If you need anything in the racing realm, get a hold of those guys over in Watertown, Dirt Track Supply. They've been doing it for a long time, and they do it very well. So I'm looking forward to seeing them guys here this weekend. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. So let's get started. What do you got? Well, uh, we have the blast, blast from the past segment by uh, United Health. And Puka's much better at doing e these <laughs> lead-ins. <laughs> we, we get ourselves a pretty host, right? You see all these sports shows. <laughs> got Gal, she's pretty. She's doing the she's doing the host part, and then we can just kind of talk and comment. So I tell you what, neither one of us are professionals. We just have a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, we're at uh, episode one forty-six, and I do not have a one forty-six or a forty-six have some 46s here okay i'm surprised you don't i'm kind of i actually am very surprised you should have 46s multiple drivers but before we get to that impact health sharing so fans you know if you or anybody that you know is paying too much for health care if they literally don't have health care because they don't want to pay that much if you're self-employed shoot me a text shoot me a call i've been able to help a ton of people save a lot of money and when, when I say a lot of money, the average cost for a family is about 600, just right, right around $600 per month with a $2,500 family deductible. I've seen people paying as high as 1500, 2000 a month. So that's a lot of money you can keep in your pocket to go spend on your race car stuff. Cause that's a lot more fun. So with that said, number 46, okay. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to roll back. Guy didn't know very well. I should have, right. I think he was a Finlander, Jeff Fogin in, but he passed away tragically here within the last year. A guy that ran a lot in the Midwest mod division. I think he ran a mod for a little bit, but uh, you know, he ran over in superior. He ran over at Proctor and he won some races had took a few years off, uh, lost his life. I'm not sure on the details. Maybe somebody can post in the comments, but I know he's a guy that was very well liked by a lot of people at those two racetracks in the late models car owner. Okay. George Shields owned this car. 
multiple drivers, 46 in the late model division. Here's a few people that I know for sure drove this car and there was probably more, right? Lance Matthews drove the 46. Steve Larson drove the 46. Ron Jones had a stint in the 46 in the late model. And I was just notified of this by our friend, uh, Dustin Dowdy, who you need to get your butt back on the racetrack, dude. I'm sick of like watching you like commenting all the time, but not racing. You got a lawn ornament in the shop there. You got to get that out on the track, but Rich Bishop, who's a super stock legend. in I think it was 1999 also drove the 46 for, uh, for George Shields. So George Shields had a lot of different drivers in that car. A lot of familiar faces that ran different numbers, but do you remember that car? I remember it being white with a blue 46 on it. Um, and I remember mostly Steve Larson and Lance Matthews, but of course Jones had a short little stint and uh, so did Bishop. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. So uh, that, that would be why I couldn't think of a, of a 46, like you thought I should, unless Man, there's other 46. Models, out there. Be a late model guy. I mean, you, <laughs> be a late model guy. So, Let's jump on to the next segment. Some, you know, fans, share your, share your memories. One memory I have, I picked on Ron Jones. He was my hero, in, especially in the modifieds and the super stocks. But he jumped in the car, and I remember him getting his ass whooped by Chrissy Oliver. Remember the Tri-City Buggy car Chrissy Oliver ran? Well, she whooped him at Cedar Lake, and I'm like, man, I thought you were good. You just lost to a girl. Now it turns out there's a lot of girls winning races, so it's not that uncommon anymore. But she ran pretty good and whooped up on him at Cedar Lake. So let's get into some high points of this last weekend. Yeah, our top five moments of the week uh, brought to you by Brad Parson at Egg Solutions. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's harvest time at, in this part of the state. I don't know what it's like over there, but it's, it's uh, harvest time is picking up uh, big time over here. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It is in our direction too. So if you're in North Dakota, South Dakota, West, Northwestern Minnesota, get a hold of Brad, which congratulations, Brad finally took the most expensive lawn ornament and brought it to a racetrack this past weekend, right? So he finally got her done. He practiced at Fergus. He had to work made it over to Cedar on Saturday. He's like, I was hoping there was only going to be 20 cars. I just rolled right into the feature. He had to go to an LCQ, transferred in, made the show, but good to see him finally back out on the racetrack, maybe a little bit more of them here in the next couple of weeks. But farmers, you know, for racers, by racers, give this guy a chance. I'm going to have some numbers here on our next show and they're staggering, right? We're talking about the numbers and I don't know much, but the numbers he was telling me was very impressive, you know, high yields, right? Which increases your profitability, which we're all talking about. He's got all kinds of stuff that you can put in your current spray packages. And you're going to want to give this cat a, a try. I mean, let's face it. We're all willing in racing, right? We're all willing to go out there. I'm going to try a different spring, different bar angle, different that. Let's apply that to farming. Give him a call. Quit giving all this money to Nutrient Egg Solutions. We don't, they, they haven't worked out enough money already, right? Give this guy a call. Give Brad Parson a call. There's numbers right here. We'll post it in the link, but he'll take good care of you. And he's got some great products out there. So make sure to get a hold of them. So let's jump into what we got. Yeah, number five. I didn't, I watched most, most of the features of the Wissota 100. Uh, but it sounds like there's a lot of uh, action with lots of rollovers and uh, one kind of stood out over the other one. 
over yeah, all the others. Another one in a sec. You know, we'll talk about one of the Midwest mods. My buddy Andrew Inman, he rolled over too. That was self-inflicted, tough deal. You know, but the most violent rollover, probably one of the hardest rollovers I've seen. Chuck Swenson went over hard. He, uh, I, it was at the start, I believe, of it was a heat race. It was the start of a heat race on Friday, and they come out of turn number two, as you can see on the video, and and all hell broke loose. It was kind of hard to determine like who caused this deal. Cause everybody was going everywhere. And he went over, I think it was four ish times. And he went over hard, one hard hit on the ground. It sounds like he had to go back in do some doctoring. I don't know the details. Hopefully he, you know, heals up fast, but I mean, he's been in a sprint car, Bert, right? So he's rolled over plenty, but let's be honest, right? Chuck, Chuck, you're not that young anymore. You can't be doing that shit. That's for the young guys, right? Not that we want to see the young guys roll over either, but that was a nasty one right there. And kind of a guy that got snake bit in that deal, Mike Gresseth. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit, but really tough one uh, for Chuck Swenson. Glad that he was able to walk away from that. Yeah, that, that's the most important thing that he was uninjured in the crash. Uh, you can replace cars, but you can't replace people. So, uh, so that that's fortunate. Uh, and then number four, uh, cop capitalizes on SpaceX misfortune for the second year. Taryn, Taryn, you're killing me. You're killing me, right? So last year at the legendary 100, Taryn SpaceX had it won. He's got a good hot rod. That TRC uh, number 22 very fast race car okay had it won last year literally come through three off of four broke his gears lost at the line kyle cop gets the win that's 2021 2022 spacex jumps out to the lead it looks like he's got this under control now kyle cop may have had a faster car he did he had a really good car but spacex was pretty sporty birdie got into lap traffic and uh kind of did one of these deals and flat out drove into a lapper, spun out, and lost the lead. Kyle Kopp goes on to win that thing. So tough break for Taryn. I mean, he's a hell of a racer. He's got a big future ahead of him, just a tough break. But congratulations, Kyle Kopp. That's, you know, he said in victory lane, I don't win much. He doesn't get a ton of wins. He runs really good. Probably the best season he's had. But back-to-back -back legendary 100s, and tip of the cap to the 26. And uh, number three, uh Mike Nichols wrecks the checkers. Wreckers to checkers. So this is another one of them rollovers, right? So I believe it was night number two that he that he rolled over in the heat race. It, I believe it was. I, uh, I every there was. Whoa! because I remember rolling over at the 100 and I had several teams coming over helping me get my stuff back together. He had the same thing. A lot of people coming over, getting that 67 back together, goes back out the next <laughs> front row. And he had a solid top five run for a little bit. I thought maybe he was going to win that deal, but came up a little bit short. So great rebound for the 67 to roll over one night, win the qualifier the next and have a top five finish at the Wasota 100. And uh, number two, we got to talk about street stocks. Uh, I actually did watch this feature. I watched it right before the show. And uh, it, it was an exciting feature to watch. Uh, my driver that I picked started 27th and uh, <laughs> worked his way up to the front. And he was actually, he was 
they were three wide for second when the caution came out. And I, I wish the caution wouldn't have came out because I think maybe it would, things would have been a little bit different. But anyway, uh, a little bit of drama. What, what was the caution for? There was another caution. Well, this was before the one that we're going to talk about. Right. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little bit of drama at the end of the race before the weather came in. For sure. So I'm going to start with a huge congratulations to Braden Brower. I picked him before the season as my favorite, and I changed it, but I picked him as my favorite to win the national championship. And then he just went into a little bit of a slump, switched cars, got faster, a pile of seconds. He's ran good, but he just he just wasn't winning like, like he wanted to. But a 17th to first bird in the qualifying feature to put himself on the front row. That was impressive. That was a hell of a run. That was like, that was a wow moment right there. And then Braden Brower goes on to win a, a highly action-packed with Soda Streetstock A main. So maybe not quite the season that he wanted, right, overall. But man, that's a big one to win. So really cool to see him get that done. But we're talking, we also talked about Justin Vogel, who I'm just gonna be honest, that dude's a that dude's a racer, right? And what I mean by that is he was on the podium night one. And how the format worked there, Bert, is if you finish in the top eight. The, the first three nights, right, all the qualifying nights are national point nights. Okay. Kyle Lakoff, huge lead. Huge lead, but um, mathematically, Vogel was still in it. He's like, I might as well give it a try. So he's on the podium, was going to be starting in the front couple rows on the inside if he took that spot. He says, nope, I'm out. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Goes out, wins night two, which put him outside of the front row for the 100. Okay, so if if he would have just kept his starting spot, then he wouldn't have raced those nights and he wouldn't have got those point shows. Okay. That is correct. So then he takes, instead of taking outside row number one, he says, if I still got a shot, I'm going to give it all I have to try to make it happen. Right. So on Friday, he goes out and literally gets bounced around like a ping pong ball in the heat race. I think everybody got a piece of them. Right. Didn't even make the qualifying feature on Friday. He got his, he got tore up in the heat race. Bad deal. So now it's going, all right, now i got to start kind of in the back of an LCQ instead of actually being on the front row for the feature. This sucks, right? So he comes through the LCQ, starts 27th, as you said. At one point, he kind of slid. He, he took the lead for a brief moment, didn't he? Yeah. And, and he's up there battling. Like you said, the caution comes out, right? And I'm telling you what, I the rains, the rain was coming. They're, they're like, we got to get this show in. They knew the rain was coming. They knew they were going to have a big delay. And I don't know what happened, but but uh, Greg Josie from North Dakota broke something. And as you can see in the short video here, he went, looks like he went to pull off the back straightaway, which I hate wall openings anyway, right? <laughs> It is what it is, but he didn't get all the way off the track. He didn't get all the way off. He's still sticking out on the racetrack, no yellow, and they're coming like a full head of steam. That lead pack, Justin Vogel, working the outside of somebody. That car ducked down, and here's the back of that car sitting there, and he teed him up. And man, I mean, it was it was. Let's just let's just say this: I am glad nobody got hurt, killed. 
I mean, he could have very easily said, I'm broke. I'm going to, I'm pulling off and unbuckled himself. Doesn't right. sound like he did. And he hit him and like Vogel's car was destroyed. His car was destroyed. I don't know how bad they were. Now, the best thing that happened is they threw the checkered right there. They said race over. Cause I mean, they can't penalize Vogel for hitting a car that was parked on the track that they should have thrown a yellow for. So they had to throw the check. Right. But with that said, that's a donkey award. I don't even know who to give one to, right? Because it could be the flag man, right? It could be the corner guys. There's officials that are standing in that wall opening that are there that should have been like yellow, yellow, yellow. Why on earth was there not a yellow flag? I It just flabbergasting to me that they let that well, happen. Yeah, and I mean, there's plenty of time because... Uh, I mean, if you're watching the race and you're listening to the announcers, they said, you know, so-and-so is slow, not sure he's going to make it off the track. Yes, he's off the track. And that's when the leaders were about at the flag stand. So, I mean, it was a full half a lap that they raced with that car sitting there. And, uh, I mean, I know I'm at races a lot and, you know, a car will slow and pull off the track most of the way. And a yellow will come out and, the, you know, some fans will get upset. Why did you throw the yellow? They're off the track. But this is exactly why you throw the yellow. Safety has to come first. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, Braden Brower, job well done. Absolutely amazing street stock racing. I mean, I mean, they put on a show. With Soda Street Stocks, IMCA stock cars, they're all awesome. That, that class is just fun to watch. And it was no different here at the Wasoda 100. And uh, our number one uh, spot for the week is uh, we have a uh, huge upset that took place at the Wasota 100. And um, yeah, I'll just let you uh, get into that. Biggest win of the Wasota 100, and it's not close. I mean, and this is no disrespect to any other driver that won, but the let's let's face it, Jimmy Mars. He's expected to win. It's Jimmy Mars, right? And I'm not saying he's going to win every race, but he's in the conversation. Tyler Peterson in the conversation. Braden Brower, that's no surprise. That, that cat wins a lot of races, right? Midwest Mods, Travis Sowers won a ton of races at Fergus Falls, former national champion. But in the super stocks, I don't think there's a person on planet Earth that would have said somebody other than 7A is going to win. If 7A loses, if Shane Sarasky loses, it's because he broke, right? That's what everybody thought that, including me. All of us in our picks had Shane Sabrasky. Trevor Nelson, man, shock. He wins at Aberdeen. He wins at Miller. Not that they have terrible cars, but they're not Shane Sabrasky, Dave Moss, Jimmy Johnson. They're not that group, right? And, I mean, I guarantee he's heard that year after year after year, right? Well, guess what? He outdueled the 7A. It was his moment to shine. By far the biggest win of the weekend, Trevor Nelson in the 71 ride, putting that affordable in victory lane. And I tell you what, on a big stage with all the top cars there, Congratulations, Trevor Nelson. That's a that's a huge one right there. Yeah, well, I was watching that feature, and um, I mean, he earned it. Uh, you know, because probably with about five laps to go, 
Um, it looked like he wasn't hitting his lines, but I think that was his line. He'd go into three, he'd go into three and drift all the way up to the wall, looking like he's going to hop the cushion, but he got the cushion gave him such a run off of four that he was able to maintain that lead. And he kept that line <laughs> for the final laps. And, you know, I mean, it was an impressive win. I mean, cause you figure, you know, a younger driver racing against, uh, you know, the seven, a, you know, at the end of the race or might get a little nervous and, you know, not hit your marks, but he hit his marks and got the huge win. He did. It, that was a fun race to watch. And, tell you what if that's kevin burdick or taryn spacek behind him they're gonna rough him up and try to get by him shane sabraski drives with a lot of respect but tell you what hats off to trevor nelson i mean that that's a respect win that's a that's one right there that says hey i don't just win in south dakota i win big races against the top drivers and uh kind of makes me a little upset with watertown right my favorite track over there casino speedway because if they had super stocks He'd be in the conversation, but they don't, so he's not. So let's jump on. All right. Moving to our trackside reports brought to you by buyracechurch.com. And um, you went someplace to a race this week, didn't you? I did. I did. I My, my sure bet last week was Dave Dulciak is going to win the street stock special. We're going to lay an ass whooping down on the boys at Sycamore. That was my sure bet. Well, he did, but Ryan almost got himself in trouble. Ryan almost went to jail. Ryan was almost ready to burn some houses. <laughs> okay. So this, this dude here is like the king of sex. It's my buddy Dave, right? King of sex. Like he's been the bridesmaid all year long. He's got like 872 second place finishes, zero wins, right? So he goes out there in time trials, qualifies second quick, puts him on the pole for heat two, wins that by like a half a track, literally whooped the shit out of him. I'm like, we're pretty good. And the guy next to us is like, you want to slow down? I'm like, we weren't very good. Like the car wasn't very good. He's like, what do you mean? We, he won by half a track. I'm like, fast cars were in heat one. He was in heat two. He was fast, but eh, it, was, it was lacking a little bit. And the guy's shaking his head like, really? Right. So we made a, made a little adjustment, went out there for the feature. He started third row, drives up. This is a 50 lap race for, for street stocks. It's their invitational, right? They had a fuel, like a fuel stop deal at the halfway point, literally right before the halfway point. He's battling for the lead with the guy that wins all the races. They get together and there's some damage on the left front, right? And they come into the fuel stop and he's like, how's my left front? I could tell it something wasn't right, but I'm like, I ain't telling him that, right? Because we ain't got time to fix it anyway. We ain't going to fix a ball joint. They're like, you can't fix a ball joint in a five-minute fuel stop. I'm like, oh, man, it's good. He's like, oh, okay. Because if I would have told him it wasn't good, it would have been in his head. Right. So I'm like, no, no, it's good. You're good. Right. So he's like, all right. So he goes out there and he drives right by him. Like his shit was broke. I'm like, damn, where'd this guy come from? Like he's bolted. He drove out at one point straight away. Lead Bert yellow comes out in the closing laps and, and, uh, he still won, but it was, you know, four or five car lengths. He drove away. His, he was good. Comes across the scales. Now, first of all, they got a measurement from the bottom of the cross member, you know, on the front stub to the mm -hmm. ground five inches weird rule nobody else has that with soda don't have that you know imca ump no, nobody has that rule but it's a rule regardless right 
So comes across the scales. We're all down there and they're like, you're disqualified. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. That's a good one. I thought they were messing with us. Right. And we're like, no, no, you're disqualified. I'm like, what are you like? What, what do you mean? Nope. Frame to the ground measurement too low illegal. I'm like, bullshit. Let me crawl underneath that. So I crawl underneath and I'm like, Hey, before I do, let's roll the car ahead. Cause I wanted to, when you pull ahead and stop, it brings the front down. So I'm like, let's roll it ahead and push it back so we can get it to normal. And I crawl underneath there. He measures it and sure as shit, it's like less than a quarter, maybe, maybe an eighth inch, maybe too low. Right. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Right. We're looking the left front's bent. There's bent parts on the left front from a wreck, right? The front of the car is down. They're like, don't matter. Don't matter. It, you're still illegal. I'm like, this is a freaking shithole racetrack, hillbilly, inbred. Like, I was like, I, I'm like, I'm going to go burn the grandstands on. No, I didn't tell them that because I didn't want to go to jail for terroristic threats, but I'm ready to kill somebody. Like, I'm like, how do you disqualify a car when there's left front damage? I mean, that's like, that would be like somebody on, well, Billy Engelstad almost did this at, at the 100, Matt Auckland smacked the wall, right? And he's like, deck height's too high illegal. Another tech official's like, uh, Billy, let's use some common sense here. You can see there was damage, like Matt Auckland, not happy. He may have used some vulgar language towards Billy in that deal. Like common sense has to apply. But you can't, how do you disqualify a car when it's obvious you look at it, there's bent parts, right? It was unbelievable. I'm like, cost him a championship, right? Because he was only a handful of points out of first to go back to back for track championships, cost him the win at the big race. It's like, dude, he won. I'm still right, right? I, I, my sure bet, still my sure bet. He won that race regardless of what that idiot tech man said. Like, I want to go over and kick him in the face because he's a moron. Like, some of these tech guys are completely stupid. Like, Common sense has to come into play. If there's obvious damage, it's unbelievable. So, Bert, that brings me back. Ashland, ABC Raceway. I'm there for a Challenge Series race. My buddy Chong goes there pitting for me, right? We get, we get together with Don Cop during the feature or during the B main for the Challenge Series and the late models. My upper A-frame is broke in half. They measure my wheelbase, short wheelbase disqualified. I'm like, my A-frame is broken in half. My tires tip back. Don't matter. I'm like, are you really? Another time at Ashland, red clay classic on the podium, measured wheelbase, illegal. Okay, really? Like, let's measure your stick. Well, their stick was off. They, they re-measured it when the stick was all right. And they're like, oh, you're good. My bad. Really? So these tech guys, it's like they're sometimes, not all tech guys, there's some good ones, right? But it's like some of these tech guys, it's like they're looking to disqualify. So, oh, I got you. I got you. It's like a tech guy's job is to make sure that everybody's playing by an even playing field. Nobody's cheating. Nobody's looking for an unfair advantage. If it's something stupid, common sense like that, come on. I mean, let's have common sense has to play into this deal. Disappointed. It's still a win. Disappointed for Dave. But, man, that, that deal sucked ass i'm still mad about that (laughs) oh hey one more thing on that so the guy behind him comes across the scale right rolls his car up he's not even on the platform he rolls down gets out of his car 
which the whole car comes up. The big cat too gets out of his car and they measure it. Yeah, you're good. I'm like, bullshit. Like <laughs> he's not even in his car. Oh, he's good. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, let's just say that first and second got DQ'd in that race. So let's just say that because <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it just, it, it literally just dr- grinds my gears. Um, that that he got that win taken away. He'd been working his ass off all year, getting shit figured out. Finally, finally had a good hot rod. I'm telling you what, he's gonna whoop their ass again next week. It just is what it is. You went racing this week, Bert. You went to two tracks. You went to a tar baby track and a dirt track. Tar baby track used to be a dirt track, right? Yeah. So, I, was, I was looking for a dirt race Friday night. Went to Marshfield Motor Speedway, and huh, it's not dirt anymore. Um, no, I knew <laughs> I knew it wasn't dirt anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was the first time I've been to the track in Marshfield since the early 1990s when it was still dirt. Um, it, uh, they added a, they made it a lot safer than when it was a dirt track. There, there's a lot more concrete barriers separating the racetrack and the pit area. Because I remember when I was there, it was just wide open from the racetrack to the pit area with just like these railroad you know ties separating and um they actually had a uh, a fire truck and an ambulance from a local township come there which was a good improvement from the 90s when i was there because they just had a station wagon with a with a light on top of it as their ambulance back in the early 1990s so uh so they had some some really good improvements in that regard uh but yeah um racing was good i mean for you know for asphalt um there was some drama there after the races uh, the the crowd was very sparse let's put it that way <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people there and after the race it was twin 55 lap um features it was and it was for only uh crate late models could race and the promoters trying to uh, introduce an affordable crate division for late models. But anyway, after the both of the features were over, he called an all driver meeting. I thought, oh, well, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen here. And um, yeah, he I mean, it's this has been all over Facebook, so it's not like I'm sharing any a secret or anything. But uh, yeah, the promoter didn't have the money to pay the purse. So uh, um he informed the drivers um that so yeah that that was not a good deal (laughs) is that a donkey award well yeah i would say probably um i did i got a i got a i got a letter in the mail a month later saying sorry we filed bankruptcy you don't get paid for this one i'm like what i'm i'm broke i need that money so So, yeah, yeah i mean you know it was supposed to be if you qualified for each feature, it was five hundred dollars to start each feature, and um, I think it. I think I read on Facebook that the two winners are getting six hundred and four dollars, and I don't know how much the other people are going to be getting. Oh boy! Oh boy! So it's five hundred doll hairs, not doll. Doll. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that wasn't a good deal in that regard. But uh, then I did go to Outer Gamey 
uh, Speedway and Seymour on Saturday night for the Dirt Kings race. Well, it was a fall brawl race for that track and the Dirt Kings were racing there. And um, and uh, Brett Swedberg uh, won the Dirt Kings feature and um, he definitely had the best car there. Uh, uh, Brad Miller pulled out to a big lead, but Swedberg ran him down and, you know, you know, passed him clean. Uh, Nick Avalink started ninth and finished third. And then <clears throat> Troy Springborn finished second. So uh, Nick, Nick is probably a little around 30 points ahead of Troy in the standings now with two races left, the two races at Mississippi Thunder uh, in October. So, uh, so yeah, it was good racing there. Um, Mike Mullen had his late model out. Uh, so it was good to see him in the late model. He was also there in his modified and, uh, in his heat race, um, he made the pass for the lead on the last lap and the car that he passed in three and four just drove it in way too hard and I mean, you can't even call it an, an attempted slot slider because he body slammed him <laughs> and Mullen went into the wall and uh, the, the car that body slammed him was able to keep going and cross the finish line, but he got black flagged and disqualified. So, ouch, ouch, <laughs> a little bit of drama, a little bit of yeah, drama. Yeah, a little, a little bit of drama there. So, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was good racing there. They had 170 some cars and seven divisions um always have to have so many divisions in these year-end specials it seems <laughs> puka, puka must be running that program. <laughs> seven ain't enough for puka so <laughs> I, I i like that place though i've seen some really good racing and mm -hmm. i've never been to any of those tracks i want to get up to shano i want to get to seymour um out of all them tracks i really like seymour i've seen some good racing over there yeah and it, it was it was a fun race to watch and it's always fun watching Nick on these types of tracks because it was a race where two of the corners, the fast way around was a different lane than the other two corners. So one and two, you had to, you had to ride the cushion three and four down low by the tires. And, you know, it, you know, it, it's not just, it wasn't just the fast all the way around on, on the top. It was, you know, you had to search a little bit for the, for the fastest way around the track. So it's always fun watching drivers searching for the, for the fastest uh, way around the track. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that kind of racing. That, that, that is absolutely my favorite kind of racetrack for sure. So a lot of other events happened that we weren't at, but there was some big stuff going on, you know, so let's jump into uh the local recap from blue line brews. So let's face it, Bert, I've turned into a morning person sometimes, right? So I got to drink a little Java. So you might as well drink blue line brews, go to bluelinebrews.com. They got K cups. They got several different blends, whatever you like And a portion of their proceeds, go to the families of injured and fallen officers. Just a great program from blue line brews, check them out. And uh, you'll be glad you did. So, where should we start, Bert? Uh, let's start with the Wasota 100. Um, First of all, did you watch? I mean, there's a lot of racing, right? There was a lot of racing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday into Sunday, right? Did you watch much? Um, I watched all the features except for 
what is it the pro lights or whatever they have um, yeah. well it's funny because i was watching the replay and it's like okay i'm looking for the modifieds so i went to a certain point in the video and it's like oh okay i found the modifieds so that <laughs> they waved the green flag and i'm listening to my computer and it sounds like snowmobile engines it's like wait you a minute one? did you see who won that though the mod force I, I didn't watch i didn't watch Luke's the little brother Really? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> TB81, Tommy Bowden, Black Hill Hat, and all. Um, not really his brother, but I caught Puka's guy. That's that's Puka's boy right there. Got it under the okay. mod. So I'll do a little recap on on the main events, and we got you know got some fun facts. We'll just talk about some things that I saw. Late models, the Iceman Jimmy Mars, back to back years winning the Wasota one hundred ten thousand dollar payday to the twenty eight modified. Hey. Let, let me do the modifieds. It was so good to see Harry Gant come out of retirement and win that race. Even he's, yeah, that tells me right there. He's been off racing longer than me. So I need to get a car. <laughs> that, that was a good race. Yes, that, that was, was a good race. And, and quite honestly, Tyler Peterson was the class of the field. He won night one, put himself on the pole, had a good car. And, and he's like, I'm in. Like he already had the points locked up. So last year he ran all three nights. This year he's like, I'm in, I'm on the pole, I'm good, I'm golden. Went on to hold off some hard chargers to get her done to win the Wasota 100. His first Wasota 100, pretty cool throwback deal. Of course, the one TPO, he is as a huge Harry Gant fan. It's kind of funny. He's like, I don't even know who Harry Gant is. I remember the skull car, but I don't remember Harry Gant. And he did the 33 TPO for his dad. Um, just kind of, you know, just out of appreciation. Yeah. And what was cool about that race was, um, you know, the top three drivers, they were all running different lines because uh, Sabraski was down low, uh, TPO was in the middle, and then uh, Johnny Groking was uh, beating down the wall on the high side. And um, I was a little, a little taken aback by his post-race comments because I'm not <laughs> sure who he was mad at, at. Was he mad at himself? Okay, so first of all, in my opinion, hey, hats off, Tyler Peterson. I mean, that's a big win. That's a big win. I mean, let's face it. He's your national champion. To win the national championship and the 100, oh, I mean, that's a great way to cap off an amazing season, right? Johnny Broking was Bobby Pierce, is, is who he reminded me. He was fun to watch. I mean, he had balls of steel just hustling the high side, banging the boards, and and I talked to him leaning into the week. He's like, I want this race. Like he's been good last year. He came from like 26th to second and actually slid for the lead, but got crossed back over. And he won the RV tour race from deep. I think from like sixth row or something like that earlier this year, a couple bold moves in there, but super entertaining and fun to watch. Right. So he's like, I know my car is good here. I want this race bad. Should have won. Nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, he had, he had some instances where he jumped the cushion or he tagged the wall a little bit that um, uh, unsettled his car a bit, where he would lose some ground. So that's why I don't know if he was mad at himself because I didn't think the other two drivers did anything to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he def he uh, definitely is not afraid to express what he's feeling. <laughs> that's usually not him i was shocked i'm like what the hell is it like past his bedtime or what? Well, i'm not really sure what's going on here um he him and tpo got a huge rivalry 
Okay. What's crazy is they both drive the same. They're both up on the wheel. They're both high, high side hustlers. They're chargers, highly entertaining, fun to watch. Right. And they, they just don't like each other. They got a little bit of a rivalry. So he, and, and Tyler kind of was moving his line around. He didn't do nothing wrong. He drove a hell of a good race, probably had stick signals from somebody moving them around on the racetrack. Why wouldn't you, you should have that. Right. So he was kind of moving around, kind of blocking and, and uh, I think Johnny had to run a couple times and it wasn't like a bad block or nothing. I think Johnny just saw it coming, lifted, jumped the cushion. So at first he's a little mad at like, oh, I feel like he was blocking me, but he was just more mad that he lost. I mean, right after that, he had a good car. He knew he had like every time he screwed up, he still charged right back into being in contention for the lead and then to jump the cushion again. And not only did he jump the cushion and lose the race, he fell back to third let Sebraski sneak by him for second. So I think it's one of those deals, right? We, we get critical of what people say in the moment, but when they're hot and they're like right there, you put a mic in their face. It's like, you know, if, if you don't want somebody to speak the truth, don't put a mic in their face right after the race. It just is what it is. But a mm-hmm. uh, great race by Tyler Peterson. Johnny Broking was the show. I mean, he was super fun to watch on the high side, really made that race interesting. But uh, the mods, I tell you, they've been really good during invitationals. Yeah. There's been some good mod races. And I mean, as far as his, as far as Broken's comments out after the race, I mean, I have no problem with, you know, the comments that he said, um, you know, it, sometimes it's nice to see the emotion that, uh, that drivers have. And actually it's interviews. I mean, let's be honest. Most interviews, you don't remember what's said during the interviews. You're going to remember this one. The Shane Sabraski, right? We love you, man, but you're boring. Right? We, we, need, we need to get Shane Sabraski pissed off in victory lane because, <laughs> like, the world would come to an end. People would be like, what just happened? Like, so, yeah, you're exactly right. I that mean, rock action is good. I mean, I, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but it was several years ago, but I still remember – who the interview was of and the gist of what he said was, you know, when Buzzy Adams won the punky several years ago and said, you know, I don't know why everybody's so scared of Jimmy Mars and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, you know, those are the interviews you remember. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When we talked about the supers, Trevor Nelson getting it done, the street stocks, Braden Brower and in, in the Midwest mods, the cowboy Travis Sauer, getting it done old rodeo cowboy i think he bull rode or bronco rode or something like that obviously in better shape than this guy right but uh, he's won a lot of races around that place hard charging lucas rodin gave him everything that he could possibly handle but just not enough uh travis sour getting it done so overall thoughts i have i have some different topics here to talk about with the 100 right as a fan, you don't watch much of it, right? But no, I, I watched the features, but you know, as I was watching the features, it's like this track is a pretty, pretty good track. I mean, it, it's very racy, uh, good racing surface. Uh, it was hard for me to judge how many people were there because the stands are so large there. <laughs> um, and they have stands on the back stretch and the front stretch. So I couldn't see how many fans were on the front stretch. Yeah, plus they had that whole uh, parking area, right? right. The, that whole area. Um, and and had, so day one, or not necessarily day one, we'll talk about that in a second, but day one of the real racing, 
um, was Wednesday and the heat races were awful. They were, I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. I mean, it was, it was bad. Like it was bone dry, horrible. And in the first day, but they regrouped the features that night were good. And then from that point forward and in the mother nature helped, right. But that place when you get some moisture on it, you're right. I mean, it, it's like an old Cedar Lake. It's better than Cedar Lake now, but really good racing. Most of the races, most of the features were excellent. I thought there was a lot of good racing and let's face it. They faced some challenges, right? They, they had weather come in, they had rain delays. They had to fight, you know, through the weather, and hats off they work their ass off to provide a good product to the fans and uh I, I don't take that lightly because a lot of tracks would be like hey we're it just we'll just race tomorrow they're like we're getting this in and not only did they get it in but the track was good and race ready when they did go green when did they finish racing because i had heard that the first feature got completed at like quarter after one in the morning is that accurate well exactly the time let's put it this way i'm an idol and it was late enough that I was tired enough that I did not watch the last <laughs> two features live, right? But I, mean, I think there was a four-hour rain delay. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not blaming them for, for finishing so late. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you either run it and finish really, really early in the morning or you postpone it until the next day and race during the daytime. And nobody likes daytime racing. No, not at all. I, I thought it was, I thought that was overall, that was great. Some really good racing to be had. Another tip to cap for the Wasota Promoters Association for bringing back Victory Lane interviews, right? Because last year, none of the qualifying features got interviewed in Victory Lane. And I'm like, what are they doing? This year they did. So that's, that. to me, that's a huge, you've got to give those drivers a moment and they got their moment for winning that qualifying feature. I think that was fantastic. I'm glad they added that. That was huge. And, and hats off to Dirt Race Central. Dirt Race Central came in and they offered a great product, you know, but also Ben, JC, and the whole gang. There was a whole bunch of people there. I, sorry, I don't have all their names, but not only they were doing pre-race interviews, stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. So they did a lot of that stuff. JC Norgard did a great job, but also they kind of took over the social media for Wasota. So there was really good content on Wasota's social media platforms from the Wasota 100 and Dirt Race Central was responsible for that. So, so congratulations. Thanks a lot to them for all they do. I would like to see with this big of an event and how big streaming is, I would like to see next year do a pre-race and a post-race show. Maybe if racing starts at five, go up in the studio there right in the in the booth and go from four to five a pre-race show after the races it don't matter right it doesn't matter how late the races are done do a post-race show you um, go live on their social media platforms i think that would be a good addition um it's something that maybe they can look at for next year but overall um just hats off in all regards there um another thing i got so something i thought was interesting so they the format there right is they run Heats and A-mains, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the top eight from each A-main is locked in if they want that spot. Otherwise, they can opt out of it and right race again. But the LCQ on Saturday was only the top X amount of cars, 16 maybe or something like that. Only the top 16 and points that didn't make the show were locked in. That's got to change, right? They, they nickel and dime everybody to death on this event. 
and there's really not a, I mean, I get it, the weather, but there was, there's not a lot of racing on Saturday, just one LCQ per class one feature, a couple more races wouldn't be a huge deal. I mean, if you, if you raced there all week, you spent all week there and you had a couple bad nights, didn't make the show and your points were bad. And you're just like, well, you don't even get to run the LCQ. I would love to see the alphabet soup. And most classes, to be honest, don't have enough cars for a full alphabet soup anyway, right? You know, most of them were in the 40s or whatever. So one LCQ was enough. But Midwest Mods, go with a D, a C, a B, right? Do something like that. Give everybody a chance to make the show. I think that's got to change. That's something that should be looked at. I got a question for you, Bert. So there was a lot of geographical regions within the Wasota area that were not well represented at this event. There was not a lot, there was like 12 Wisconsin cars. There was like barely any Northern Minnesota cars, right? So there was areas that just did not have a lot of cars. Would more cars be good or bad for the Wasota 100? I mean, as a fan, I, as a, as a race fan, I enjoy the drivers from the different regions converging together at one track to fight it out to determine who's the best. Um, that's what I enjoyed the most about going to the Wasota 100 when uh, MJ raced and I, you know, would go along and um, be at the Wasota 100. You know, it would, you know, back then I, I got all the dirt newspaper and, um, you know, I could, the names that I read in the paper, I could watch racing at that event. And that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. In this event, we'll just take the late models, for example. South Dakota was represented pretty well. Most of their top guys were there, right? Um, that central Minnesota area, most of their top guys. But you look at the Grand Forks region, that NLRA group, there was only a couple cars there. They had their their big event the week before with the sites memorial right you look at the hibbing cars i think it was massingill and uh provenzino i think might have been the only two i don't think i'm missing anybody from up there wisconsin they had i mean three of the best right or two of the best jimmy and and pat door and then you know up and comer sam Marsh. but you know i don't know i mean on one side of it they need to take what dennis mccauley does right and, and do that for the 100. So what I'm talking about there is he runs the Fastlane Superstock Series. And Bert, he literally reaches out to every single Wasota licensed Superstock driver and asks them to come to his events. Whether it's text, call, text and call, Facebook Messenger, seeing him at the track. I'd like to see Wasota have somebody that represents late models, mods, supers, all the classes. And their job throughout the year is to contact these drivers personally and say, we'd love to have you at the 100. We would love to get you here. What, what do we have to do? What needs to change? What would make you want to come to the Wasota 100? Simply reaching out to drivers will get more cars there. It'll get more representation. And when more cars come, their, their aunts, uncles, grandpa, grandma, you know, all that, they come with them. They have more fans. That makes, that's how you got to get that event big is you have to reach out to these drivers on the flip side, devil's advocate on this. It's already a long program, right? You run streets, Midwest yeah. mods, mods and lates three nights. They add in the mod fours at the end. 
if they added another 25 cars per class, it'd be like, it'd be crazy. There'd be a lot of cars. It'd be hopping. Right. But it would be challenging, right? Because the track prep, no, they'd have to stay on top of the track. They'd have, there'd be more work to be done there. The program would go longer. So then you'd have people going, oh man, the show goes too long. So that's the devil's advocate side of that. But I think ultimately it's the premier event for Wasota. They, they got to do what they can to get as many cars there as possible. Um, so, go ahead. Well, I was just, how many super stocks were there? Do you know? I don't have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just the, curious because I mean, back in the 90s, you know, when I went to the half, one, half of that. Okay. I mean, you know, yeah. they got over like 150 or whatever um, yeah. back then. I but mean, there's not many super stocks in general. There was six, 700 super stocks at the time. There's like 300 now. So I mean, the one year when we went, there were 82 late models at one event and i i was like in awe it's like 82 late models right right <laughs> and so the, the numbers compared to the glory days are down okay. but i think the numbers can get back up it just takes a little elbow grease right i mean let's face and, and the numbers weren't bad the numbers were very comparable to last year i thought i mean i thought overall i thought it was a good show but you always want to see more there's always drivers like oh man i wish this guy was there i wish this guy was there but overall it was good you know, and then of course Cedar Lake runs. They got right. the legend. I, I, was, home, I was, you know, I was just gonna say, you know, it's a little bit different because, yeah, you know, now there's uh, the Cedar Lake race uh, scheduled against it. Uh, but back then they used to have uh, Wissota East and Wissota West, so you know the cars were kind of split up in that regard. Right, right. So, so the first night they have practice on Tuesday. And they run the Wasota Pier Stocks and the Wasota Hornets. First of all, okay, I'm going to say this. And this is no disrespect to Pier Stocks and Hornets. Them two classes are important to the growth of racing. You have to have starter classes. And they sometimes provide really good racing, right? But those classes should not be Wasota sanctioned. All that does is nickel and dime them. That makes, that puts... That, that makes them spend more money that they don't need to. They shouldn't be running for national points. If they want to race a lot, great. Or if three, four tracks in the area want to get together, do a mini point fund for their drivers, great. But they shouldn't be with Soda Sanctioned. I'm a firm believer in track rules for the, the beginner classes. Like I said, a few area tracks can be good. And that's what most of Wasoda is. Most of Wasoda, the whole region, then beginner classes are track rules. Only a handful of tracks really have them classes sanctioned, and they had five pier stocks and 12 hornets. Yeah, you can't have that, right? Now, now let's a couple things here, right? A, they shouldn't be with soda sanctioned anyway. But if they are running them on a Tuesday, I mean, half the hornets are 13, 14 years old. They're in school, right? And they got to drive. Mom and dad aren't going to take them out of school to drive halfway across the freaking upper Midwest to get to a race ain't happening, especially when they could win the feature and still lose money. They're like, we ain't doing it. We ain't going. That's like, if the, if they're going to run those, it's literally, they don't get that huge of a car cone anyway, run them Friday, Saturday, don't run them on Tuesday. I mean, cause they ain't going to come that shows. So that's got to go. And if you look at the pier stocks, the closest pier stock track to there is Bemidji, which is like two and a half hours away. There's not even a pier stock track in that area that's with soda sanctioned. So a lot of things need to be looked at with that pier stock and Hornet deal. Um, 
another thing here. A little bit of inconsistency, Bert, on some calls here. Okay, this there's, there's a couple. I want to. We talked about that deal in the back straightaway, but we talking about northern cars. There wasn't a ton of them down there, and I was pulling for a buddy of mine, Tristan Labarge. I helped him as he was kind of growing up and racing. Had a rough weekend. He was on the podium, running third, battling for third there. Overheated one night, came back out. And he like flat out drove away from the field in the qualifying feature on Friday. He was gone, gone. Yellow comes out, right? And I will say this, Tristan is going to be mad at me, but he's doing this wiggle. I get it. He's warming up the tires, but he warmed up the tires like all the way. It's kind of like I've seen other people start a race this way. And it's kind of a little bit, I don't know, gray area. I'm not sure what to think, but he's warming up the tires, warming up the tires, and then just goes right into going green. That, that, got him in trouble right because he did that once in the in the jimmy gullickson behind him kind of woke up and just let him go and he just flat out got a good start drove away because he's like eh, what's he doing but then on the next restart jimmy gullickson drives into him you know in three and then he does that wiggle you know that warming up the tires and jimmy gullickson flat out just dumped him spun him out in front of the whole field literally like i mean it was obvious and jimmy gullickson what he said in victory lane is like well you're playing games and you're gonna lose he did it on purpose. He spun him out on purpose. They give him his spot back. He goes on to win. Tristan's car is broke. They called it on him. His night's done. He's like, screw this. I'm going home. Come on, officials. You got to get that shit right. I mean, that was a terrible call. That was a unbelievable. And then Gullickson had a little bit more drama, got a freebie in the feature too. So not sure what to think there. In the Midwest mod feature, the A main, they had a similar deal. Not the same. But it was coming for a restart and the whole field stacked up. And initially over the loud, over the loudspeaker, they're like, call is on the 50. Cody Lee's going to the back. And I'm like, wait a second here. I'm going to screen video that and kind of watch it. And I got the video here. So you all, you call, this is a, you make the call fans. You, you make your own call. I looked at that. I'm like, if they're calling that on Cody Lee, like that is bullshit, right? Like he did not cause that. Bert, he was on, if you can see this video, he was on the outside on this restart and the whole inside row stacked up. He had nothing to do with it, right? The leader was kind of slow rolling, did nothing wrong. The second row and third row kind of like anticipated, but Cody Lee and I believe it was Nick Kaler, they left the space and they tried to time the start, right? Cody Lee did, and he had to hit the brakes and everybody kind of stayed okay on the outside. Kaler did the same thing. Everybody piled up behind them. Nothing against Nick Kaler. Call probably should have been on him. You make the call. You decide. Well, after a little bit, you know what they said? Well, the start cone was in the wrong spot. So we're just going to go ahead and call that on the start cone. And we're not putting anybody to the back. I don't know what Don, Tom Nesbitt would have had a heart attack. It just is what it is. But is that their way of saying, we're not really sure who caused that. So we're just going to kind of like do this over. What do you think? Uh, it's possible. I mean, I've been at tracks too, where, um, you know, they're supposed to call somebody for a caution, but then when they line up the cars, everybody gets their spot back and they make the announcement. We determined it was a racing incident. So uh, everybody gets their spot back. It's like, what do you mean? It's a racing. Somebody's got to go to the back. <laughs> everything's a racing incident right a racing incident. so uh, the last question i have for you is is the opt-out rule and what i mean by that is 
night on night number one, if you finish in the top eight, that's the inside eight rows of the three wide start for the A main. However, you can say, you know what? I don't want that spot. Various reasons. One could be you're running for national points and you're like, I want two more good shows for national points. The other, the other might be, I don't want to start seventh, eighth row, right? Like if you do the math, right? Seven rows is 21. So eighth row, right? If you finish eighth night one, you're starting 22nd in the feature. So some people are like, I don't want to start 22nd in the feature. Some people are, I'm like, I'm just happy to make the show. So I got some thoughts on this, but what are your thoughts? If you were a driver, would you be like, you know what? I'm in, I start, I know I start 22nd, but I'm in, I'm just going to take my spot. Or do you roll the dice and say, no, I, I want to start further to the front. What would you do? I mean, I, it kind, it kind of depends on the driver. Um, you know, if it's a driver that is a okay driver, but making the show would be like, would like make their year. Um, obviously, I don't care where I'm starting. I'm in the show. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, if you're one of the top drivers, I guess I could see you know, it's like, well, I don't want to start back there. I'm going to bet on my talent that I can, um, you know, get a better spot over the next night. Um, so I'll, I'll take a chance. So um, I think part of it depends on, on the driver and their situation. So, and, and, you know, I look at that and I'm like, okay, Maria Brooks took her spot. She's had a hell of a year. She's got a fast hot rod. I mistake. I think she should not have done that. Dylan Nelson. 10 win season won the fast lane super stock season he started back in the nosebleeds i'm like dylan what are you doing mike stearns dude we talked i'm like he's like well, i didn't feel like i had a very good car and you would if you would have ran two more nights or one more night you would have probably had a better car right um mike Gresseth, right we talked about vogel mike Gresseth didn't even come on thursday so you hear people talking man you got to be there all week no you don't no you don't Right. You could literally show up Friday, run the Friday show, win the feature, start on the front row of the Wasota 100. You only have to be there Friday and Saturday. That's all you got to be there. You don't have to be there all week. So he took third. He took the Wednesday show. He's like, I got too much work at home. I'm going to do that. I'm coming Thursday and Friday. Thursday, he gets eight. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he did because he's fast. Right. He won the NLRA points two years in a row. He runs well at Fergus. I texted him. I said, Mike, please tell me you did not take eighth. Please tell me. He's like, that's the dumbest text I've ever read in my entire life. And he called me. He goes, no, I didn't take freaking eighth. Like, I didn't come here to make the show. I come here to compete, to try to win the show. Well, it bit him because that rollover with Chuck Swenson, he got caught up in that, right? which, and he wasn't there on Wednesday, so he didn't have enough points accumulated. He still made the LCQ, but he started last and it just didn't work out for him. But that's the mentality. Me, like you said, if you're a top runner, if you're like, I'm here to win, you can't start. You can't start back there. I would rather not make the show at all than purposely go out there starting 24th, knowing, man, I hope I can get into the top 10. It's just, it just depends on, it depends on a lot of things, but a couple of people did, didn't work out for, and uh, 
a couple people that did. So um, pretty good racing overall at the Wasota 100. Let's jump ship. Let's go over to the uh, legendary 100. And first thing I'm going to say, speaking of jumping ship, your 2022 Wasota Midwest Mod National Champion went to Cedar Lake. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, he has it locked up. You know, he has it locked up. And and it's not like a cherry-picking deal, right? Because they get a pile of cars. They had fast hot rods over at Cedar Lake in the mid. That class is stacked at either event. I just found that interesting. Jake Smith opted to go to Cedar. He did last year as well, with winning the Rookie of the Year. Um, I think he ran. He ran okay. He wasn't contending for the win, but he ran okay. But I got in trouble for that, Bert. I, I, I opted out of the Wasota 100 when I won a national championship one year, and Terry Volts yelled at me at the Wasota banquet on stage. So that was, uh, he didn't really like that very much. So let's jump yeah. into the, into the, I guess the recap, AJ Demo, right? The two, I guess the two patriarchs of MB customs, Jimmy Mars and AJ Demo, both went back to back Demo dominant. Um, Daryl Nelson, another win and invite time for the Hermantown hammer killed him. In the, in the modified, we talked about Kyle Cott. Redemption win for David Swearingen, who won the Northern Nationals. But if you remember, he was like uh, under a 16th. He had too many gaskets there. And uh, I don't know, he took that gasket out. Shit might be faster. I'm not really sure. He just won the legendary 100. So I don't think it really affected him. But uh, I got a couple of things. But what stuck out to you at the legendary 100 over at the Cedar Lake Speedway? Well, I didn't watch any of the racing, but, uh, I mean, we discussed on the show last week and, uh, you posed the question over under of 20 late models and I took the over. And so I checked my race pass on, what was it? Friday or I don't know. And, um, they had over 30 late models, uh, at, at Cedar Lake for that show. So, uh, um, you were, a little way, wrong there. <laughs> I was way wrong, way wrong, way wrong. They, uh, the overall, they had over 300 cars, 10 classes. You know, it is what it is, but they had over 300 cars. They had some really good race cars. So there was, there's enough cars to go around for two big events. And that showed it this weekend. Um, another thing that stuck out to me, and I don't, so Cedar Lake Speedway, the, the, it's, it's Cedar Lake, track's good. It's a, it's a good racetrack, but they got some drainage issues down in three and four, Bert. Um, every, for the last two years, I've seen Lake Superior down on the bottom of three and four. And I was talking to drivers. They're like, yeah, it ain't good. You can't go to the bottom down there because you'll slip and slide all across the racetrack. Cedar Lake Speedway, please fix that. Like, just dig out the infield, get some drainage in there because that is just – that that track is too good, too prestigious to have shit like that. I mean, I can see that on some podunk tracks or whatever, like Sycamore, right? They do that shit, right? You can't do that. You're the Cedar Lake Speedway. You're, you're held to a higher standard. You, you got to fix that. Now, one thing I saw, Bert, that was, I don't want to say funny because I'll get in trouble, but in the Superstock feature, right, Dan Nasulki curb stomped him the night before in a qualifying feature and i'm like he's winning this race i mean he's bolted i think there was some contact with him and spacek at the beginning of the race that hurt his front end and kind of wrecked his chances but during the race he threw a pretty dirty slider on dj keeler okay like pinched him right into the fence well 
later on in the race, he did it again, but DJ lifted hard enough to not get into the fence. And finally he did it again. And Keeler just flat out dumped him in the middle of the back straightaway. I mean, he spun him out bigger than shit. And the announcer, because remember, Cedar has the no fault caution. I like Dan Misalki, but this might have been a time where it was actually a good thing because the announcer's like, well, I think that was payback for earlier in the race. You know, I guess what comes around goes around and it'll all be good as long as like there's no action at the scales after the race. Because, I mean, it was flat out on purpose, right? Well, I talked to Dan, I'm like, I'm like, rough night. He goes, yeah, you know, I got together with Taryn there. And then, uh, boy, that 12 car spun me around in a circle. You know, that was, he goes, I just slid him. I, has he never seen a slider before? I'm like, uh, Dan, you may consider going back and watching that race, right? And rethinking that because you got him good. Well, he texted, he texted me back. He goes, yeah, you were right. I had that come. And I reached out to DJ. That was my bad. He goes, uh, thanks for the tough love. But yeah, I, I, I was a little aggressive on that one. But I'm like, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. So, yeah, sometimes that, I guess, I don't say it often, but sometimes that no-fault deal can work itself out. Yeah, so, it, it sounds like it. <laughs> I know you watch Knoxville, right? Um, I watched um, Thursday night, and I watched the feature on Sunday, yes. Okay, now I watched exactly zero of Knoxville, so just fill us in. What happened at the Knoxville Late Model Nationals? Um, well, um, what can we say? Uh, Superman won again. <laughs> Never heard of <laughs> But, uh, no, I mean, Knoxville was, I don't know, it was strange this year. It, it just didn't seem to be as exciting this year. It didn't seem like cars were coming from, from the back and working their way to the front. Um, I mean, the drivers made the comment, too, that uh, Thursday night, uh, the track prep, they made it too uh, top-heavy that you know the top was the fast way around and you know there really wasn't much passing because you just ride the cushion all the way around the track and um so it wasn't too exciting um but uh i was uh disappointed with uh i mean mike marler's been so good at knoxville recently and he just had a tough week i mean he he barely qualified for for the features on the early nights and he um he made the feature for sunday but uh retired early from the race so uh um to me the racing was a little disappointing in in my regard i mean it, it did look for a while like superman wasn't gonna win um was leading did pierce what, lead that for a while um bruning was leading for quite a while he led, I mean, it looked like he was going to get his first big win and Superman had dropped back. To, I mean, he, he started on the front row, started on the pole and he dropped back to fourth and he was a ways back. So I thought, okay, he's not going to get the win and laps, laps were winding down and he just put it into another gear and <laughs> ran him down and passed him for the win. And, uh, you know, you just got to take your hat off to him, I guess. <laughs> Inching closer to $2 million. Yeah. And get closer, <laughs> closer and closer. And 
it's Tuesday. We're doing the show. It's 40 grand to win tonight um, at the, uh, at Kokomo. So we'll see what happens there. Now let's jump down to the Tom Tarleton Memorial for the world of outlaw sprint cars. Did you happen to see it? I, I watched, I watched the highlights and it was a highlight. Did you watch, did you see the highlight? No, I didn't see the highlight. You were, you mentioned this to me before we started recording the show that it was, Remember, they were in California is where they were. Home, you know, Carson Macedo, right? California kid. Logan Schuhart threw a nasty one on him. Nasty slider for the lead. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk on Facebook. Was it dirty? Was it not dirty? He, he slid him good. And Macedo had to grab a whole bunch of brakes. And he drove into the back of them and kind of messed them both up. And Schuhart goes on to win. Well, he got booed. And people are yelling at him down in victory lane. And. I'll play the clip right here on the, on the, on, so for you can all to listen to, but he basically said, I'm still leaving with, leaving with 21,000. <laughs> so it is what it is, right? Racing for the win. Uh, you know, I want to watch the replay, but um, like I said, it's not how you want to win if I did something wrong, but I'll watch the replay and I'll determine what I did right now. I'll take any booze, cheers. I'm still going home with 21 grand. So see ya. <laughs> but a uh, exciting finish in the world of outlaws who, uh, quite honestly, some of the races haven't been quite as exciting this year, but they got some, uh, they got a lot of racing left. We'll see what happens. Um, let's jump on to uh, the huge week ahead, right? We're going to talk about the formats, but we can, we can get into that another time, you know, but this week regionally, right? There's some national stuff. We'll talk about that at the end. Is there anything going on over in Eastern Wisconsin this weekend? Um, 141 Speedway has, uh, a two-day special. I believe it's Friday, Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other tracks that are 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 running this weekend. Um, I mean, in eastern Wisconsin, over the next several weekends, tracks will be uh, having specials, but um, for the most part, tracks try not to schedule over the top of each other for their year-end specials. Now, Western Wisconsin, it's a big week in Western Wisconsin. What's happening over there? Uh, well, actually, uh, I mean, it's always a big weekend when it's punky weekend, but it's uh, extra special this year because they, uh, the Mater 55 was rained out earlier this year. Um, so they rescheduled that for, um, what is it, on Thursday of this week? Thursday. Yep. Yeah. So, uh you know, I hope that, uh, I mean, those are two big races, the Punky and the Mater. So, I mean, I, I hope that the fans come out and support, you know, it's a little risky having two big shows, you know, like right next to each other. Um, so hopefully the fans will come out and support. Um, I, I'm sure they'll support the Punky, but I, I just hope they come out earlier, you know, a day early to take in the Mater race also. Yeah, I think they will. And of course, if you can't catch that Red Cedar Speedway Menominee, Wisconsin, all of those races are on Dirt Race Central, the official streaming platform of the One to Go Show and of Wissota Racing. Um, over, you know, also this weekend, right, the Autumn Classic over at the Baddest Bull Ring in the state of South Dakota, the Casino Speedway in Watertown. They're racing a full show Friday and Saturday. The 51st annual Jamestown Stock Car Stampede. That's going to be going on. I believe that's Friday, Saturday as well. I'm not sure what streaming platform Jamestown is on. Um, it might be Darn TV. 
but Autumn Classic at Watertown is on Dirt Race Central as well. And then down at the Granite City Motor Park over at, uh, just right by St. Cloud, Minnesota, um, the Piston Cup is going on. That's a two-day show. They moved that up a week because last year they ran that against Madison. This year they moved it up a week. And the Paul Bunyan Stampede up at the home of the Chicken Shack up in Bemidji. I, I tried talking Johnny Broken into coming to casino to go head-to-head -head with TPO, but he's like, it's just too far. I'm going, he's going to Bemidji. He's like, how do you pass up the chicken and the amazing culture over in Bemidji, Minnesota? Sheridan Speedway out in Wyoming. They got the fall classic coming up this weekend, a pair of shows out there. And then Thunder City Speedway, north of the border, Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. Three complete shows of racing up there. That's going to be a big event. I mean, I don't know if there's a track in Wissota that gets as many Midwest mods as they do. Hopefully cars turn out for the other classes and we'll, we'll see what happens, but great, uh, great to have racing back in Thunder Bay. And then down in Deer Creek, it's their fault. The Featherlight Fall Jamboree for the USMTS Modifieds. Always a good show. Uh, I tell you what, I picked a sleeper in that one in our pickums. A lot of people are picking O'Neill, Sorensen, Sanders, right? Ramirez. I went with a hot shoe right now, a rookie, Jim Chisholm. Tell you what, Chisholm. I mean, how do you go wrong? That's where me and Puka are from, Chisholm, right? <laughs> but that kid's a stud, you know. And Joe Chisholm in the USRA B mods, he's a stud too. So we'll see what happens there. So Bert, let's get into a little who's hot and who's not. Who's hot? Uh, well, we may have to make a rule that we can't pick this driver for the who's hot. Uh, but uh, I'll go with them again this week. Uh, Superman. I mean, another what was it, fifty thousand? knoxville paid so uh um what can you say <laughs> getting closer and closer and closer i'm gonna go with the hermantown hammer daryl nelson he's been strong during the invite season he's won like every weekend labor day weekend or the nationals legendary 100 whether it's the mod the late or both that 44 has been wicked fast he's going to menominee it's not his house, right? But we'll see. Can can he go four weekends in a row during invite time with a win? Stay tuned. Find out. Daryl Nelson's been really good. Who's not? Um, I mentioned him earlier. I'm going to go with uh, Mike Marler. I mean, earlier in the season, he had a streak of top fives. Um, and uh, he's very strong at Knoxville, but he just had a rough weekend last weekend at Knoxville. And then earlier in the week, they had the Flow Castro race. Uh, where was that? At, at Falls. And uh, he had to use a provisional to get into the feature there. So uh, he's uh, he's struggling a little bit right now. But, you know, all drivers have their ups and downs. Well, except Superman this year, I guess. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so who's not? I want to say Iron Range cars, Hib and Grand Rapids, such a huge culture of racing up there for so many years during representation during invite time you know there was a time when the range cars whether it was super stocks modifieds late models whatever they represented so well at all the invitationals and i don't know it's just racing up there between hibbing rapids even proctor which isn't the range the i mean you just don't see people traveling to these invitationals and i get it costs are up and all that but there's other regions of wasota that are represent a lot more than the range cars and uh to me it's disappointing that's home and i'd like to see i'd like to see more of our guys the guys that i see uh 
on a weekly basis going to some of these big specials and kind of disappointing that's not the case. So uh, one more thing on the who's hot. Dave Flynn had a rough year. One of the top talents in Superstock. He had a rough year this year. A lot of learning curves. Just things didn't go right. He had three top five finishes um, in the late model over at the Cedar Lake Speedway in the, at the Legendary. So great weekend for Dave Flynn. So sure bet. And, and Bert, our sure bet is who? It's Jay Schmidt. Real estate by Jay Schmidt. Four racers, by racers. If you're in the Watertown area over in South Dakota, if you need land, commercial, residential, he's got over 20 years in business. Great racing family. Great guy. Our lock of the week, our sure bet, Jay Schmidt is the guy that's going to take care of you. Jay Schmidt Real Estate. So, Bert, what is your sure bet? Well, I am staying with my sure bet that I had in August, but the race got rained out. Um, AJ Demol will win the Mater race and become the first driver other than Jimmy Mars to win that race at Red Cedar Speedway. Now, granted, Buzzy Adams won it one year, but that it was at Rice Lake Speedway that year. So, I I had I kind of was going that direction, right? Because I had. I had the 28 and 58 Jimmy Mars and AJ Dima will go one, two at both the Mater and at the punky. Okay. That that's them two are so almost nearly unbeatable at Menominee that it's not even close, but I'm going to go with another one. Maria Brooks, who's had an outstanding season, a couple years in a row, some tough luck at the autumn classic. She's going to double up at Watertown this weekend in the 14 street stock. So let's jump into the last lap for, Brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines. And tell you what, they don't disappoint. They, they're on the podium. They run well. They win everywhere. There's going to be a lot of Zuli Race Engines in Victory Lane this weekend. I promise you, a national champion in the street stocks, Kyle Dykoff. Zuli Race Engines, second in the street stocks. Of course, Justin Vogel. And uh, they, got, they got a lot of power. If you can't beat them, join them. Zuli's Race Engines. So what do you got? Well, uh, I mean, earlier this year, you know, we talked about how uh, Jerry Munster won a heat race at Toronto Speedway. Uh, I think he's 81. Uh, but that's nothing compared to uh, this driver who parked it in victory lane at the age of 89. 89. <laughs> so the legendary Red Farmer, right? One of the original Alabama gang, right? He's part of that group. He's ties there. 89. Now, it wasn't the feature. He won the heat. But first of all, I think there's a lot of people out there going, I hope I live to 89. Let's just start there. 89, that's a long life. I hope I live that long, right? 189 would be better with the advances in modern science and all that. We'll see, right? But 89, that's a long life. To be even racing a car, period, even strapping in and racing a car at 89, that's that's astonishing, but to win a heat race at the age of 89, that's just super cool. I would love to get a load down to Alabama somewhere and figure out how to have a sit down conversation with Red Farmer. I bet that cat's got some stories. And oh. if he's racing, man, I would love to have that opportunity. So another thing we have here that I didn't have on the list, a little tip of the cap, Red Clay Classic. Dirt Race Central stepping up to the plate, an extra $100 bonus to all heat winners at the at the Red Clay Classic. That's pretty cool. That's that's taking money that they, they earn at all these specials, put it back into the sport, giving it to the drivers. Great job to Ben and the gang at Dirt Race Central. 
what do we got next? Well, I I don't know what the drama is, but I heard there was some championship drama at uh, uh, River Cities. So, uh, and in. <laughs> sprint car action, final night of the year for the championship. Jade Hastings and Mark Dobmeyer separated by like a point. I mean, it was super close, right? Photo, and of course it was photo finish at the line. I mean, too close to the call. I talked to people and they said from the outside, from the grandstands, it looked like one guy won. From the infield, it looked like the other guy won, right? Well, everything's got transponders and all that, right? So no issues. There should be an issue. It's electronic scoring. So the electronic scoring comes out. Boom, Jade Hastings wins, goes to victory lane. Not only did he win the race, he won the championship. They do all the hoopla. Ten minutes later or so, right? They're like, wait a second here. We had a little glitch in the scoring. This ain't good. Mark Dobmeyer actually won that race. Oh, my God. Facebook went bonkers. They're like, well, yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings car, Buffalo Wild Wings sponsors the series. Of course he did, right? Well, they, it was all kinds <laughs> of drama. All the drivers up, and the drivers are like, hey, we're good with it. It is what it is. The fans were more upset than the drivers. Obviously, heartbreak for Jade Hastings. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, if that's the way that it actually finished, right, you want to get the call right. If he raced in for a champion, I'd, if it takes 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to say hats off to the, the scoring crew and the people over there at River Cities for at least getting it right. It sucks that it happened that way, but they got it right. Big drama, big moment. Mark Dobmeyer, your champion um, over at the River Cities. Now, Podium finish for a cat here this weekend. Didn't go to Knoxville, but who finished on the podium this week? Who made who made it? The voodoo child. I mean, we talked about this earlier, whether he would ever get a victory again. And uh, he was one spot short from getting a victory. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you. So, so Scott Bloomquist, I mean, hats off. He actually made it to the race on time. So that's good. But the season's winding down. Can't. Is he going to go two years in a row without a win? Um, unless he races some very small race, I don't see him getting a win. And I saw an article somebody wrote, you know, basically saying, you know, everybody's hard on him because he ain't winning, but he's an old guy, right? He's he's up there in age. I mean, there's probably not many people that had a career like his, so everybody kind of slows down with time. It would be cool to see him get another one. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing is um... – you know, it's not just racing, but sports in general. You know, you have your heroes and they're so good, but nobody beats father time. And, you know, eventually, eventually your skills erode. I mean, things really went downhill for Bloomquist when he had that motorcycle accident. Um, you know, uh, I, I think he would have had some wins and been more competitive longer if he wouldn't have had that accident. But that just... Uh, kind of messed him up and physically so yeah it sure did so my buddy dan was down at knoxville and they do a deal on saturday where they they'll have like 40 50 people and they have driver come in mike marlar was a speaker got to sit down and kind of have a casual you know um dave argabright was there interviewing them kind of a cool deal if you get to the knoxville late model nationals check that deal out because it's kind of fun to sit and listen to some of these drivers but a lot of talk about that late model tire rule coming up. And he said that he's really looking forward to that because there's a lot of times where maybe a, a track rains out 
you know, like a Lucas race or a World of Outlaw race, but there's something reasonably close that he could race at, but he doesn't have the tires to go. Well, now if they're going to go with four compounds of tires throughout all of late model racing, maybe you'll, maybe you'll see some of these top talents falling in at some different tracks because of that. That's something to keep an eye on in 2023. Little bit of news, Bert, in the late model world. Little bit of wow. news. Yeah, I, I, I hear you had uh, uh, your ear to the ground and you heard, you heard some news. <laughs> so, as we know, Rocket One, right? Brandon Shepard is going to vacate that ride and he's going back to the family team. Hudson O'Neill, I believe it's Double Down Motorsports, the, the Lazy Days RV ride. Hudson O'Neill is jumping out of that. He's going to drive Rocket One in 2023. So the question is, who's going to fill in his spot, right? Sources tell me, right? And this ain't public yet. This is not official, but you heard it here first, right? So if this comes to fruition, you heard it here on the One to Go show first, okay? Wait, wait. You're our Adam Schefter of... <laughs> There you go. There you go. You, you heard it here first, right? So, with that said, Jimmy Owens, the Ramirez ride, of course, Leon Ramirez passed away last year, and Derek Ramirez is full tilt in the USMTS stuff. It Rumor has it that that team is no longer going to be operating a late model team in 2023. Sources tell me that Jimmy Owens is going to be jumping in to the double down motorsports ride vacated by Hudson O'Neill. Will that increase it? I mean, do you think that'll put Owens back on the map? Oh, uh, I mean, it might, I mean, he's, he's really had up and down years, both last year and this year. I mean, he'll go out and win a race and, but then he'll go three weeks without finishing in the top 10. So, uh, um, It'd be nice to see him get into a ride where he can be competitive. And I mean, Hudson O'Neill's been competitive in that ride for the most part. So um, I don't think it would hurt him if, if that's the ride that he's in. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see. So we'll stay tuned. We got more to talk about with that as the season progresses. Current standings in our picks. Bert still on top, 133. Mr. Flat Bill himself, 125. I'm at 121. Jeff is at 116, Mike at 82, Brad at 70. If you're watching the show, you can see all the picks. We're doing a pile of races, Bert. Lucas races, World of Outlaw Late Models, World of Outlaw Sprints, USMTS, the Punky, um, Autumn Classic. We're doing the Mater 55. There's a lot of racing going on this week. I feel like I'm going to catch you this week, Bert. You're a long ways ahead. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm coming for you. So with all the events coming up, I mean, Lucas Oil at Brownstown, World of Outlaw Lates at Boyd, World of Outlaw Sprints, Eldora and Sharon, Virginia Motor Speedway. That's not one we're picking, but Bert, they got a 50000 to win crate late model race, right? Could you see somebody hopping in, Bronson, Owens? They both ran some crate stuff. Could you see a guy like, there's no 50 grand to win race for late models this weekend. Could you see Jonathan Davenport saying, you know what, I'm going to put a crate in. 50 grand, I'll get closer to 2 million. I'm going to go get some crate money. Do you think any top tier teams are going to take a jump at that 50 grand crate race? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about any teams going to that race. Um, 
it would almost have to be a case where somebody puts a car together and they say, Hey, you know, you come drive this car. Um, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see if any, I mean, the names you mentioned, obviously that they don't follow a series because the outlaws and Lucas both have races this, this week. So it would have to be somebody not following either one of those series. Correct. Correct. So with all that said, Bert, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Uh, well, the, the Punky Manor race has always been uh, um, a special race because uh, we used to always, MJ used to go race there every year. And uh, we always had a lot of fun there. Uh, fun racing, but fun after the races also. <laughs> I, I think uh, there's a, there, there were a few beverages that were consumed during that time. So, uh, that was always, that was always a fun race to go to. So I'm looking forward for that one. And then, you know, they're adding the Mater race the day before that. So that just adds a little bit more, uh, excitement to it. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the autumn classic. I'm going out to Watertown myself. I'm going to be able to join my buddy, Dave Nurmi up in the booth, do a little bit of announcing side by side with him. So that's always fun. Got a lot of friends out in Watertown, South Dakota. Look forward to seeing them going to go play golf with a buddy of mine, Josh out there. So super excited to get back out to South Dakota. So any, any closing thoughts or anything else? Oh, uh, no, it's just, uh, there's a lot of racing going on. And, um, if you, if you have an opportunity, go out and support these races because as sad as it sounds, it's not many months away that <laughs> the white stuff is going to be falling. <laughs> Depends where you live, Bert. You just well, that's go, true. That's gotta, true. You know, none of that, none of that nonsense going on in the south. So, <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in. Long show this week, but there was a lot of content, a lot of big racing, a lot of stuff coming up. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully, if you're driving on the road, that gave you a little bit of something to listen to. And uh, put your comments, you know, in the, in the comments below, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or whatever it may be. But uh, as, as always, I'm Ryan. That's Bert. We're Pukalis. He's out getting his hat fixed. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the One to Go show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.